0: Cool. Hello today I have the lovely Sarah with me. Hi Sarah would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well yes thank you Donna for doing these interviews and I'm really excited. Um, so I'm Sarah Bourne, I've, I signed with Bloodhound Books last year and um, my third book is coming out on Wednesday with them um, which I'm really pleased about they're a fantastic little publishing house Um, I'm English originally um, but I've spent half my life in Australia now and um, I call Sydney my home even I'm sorry to say supporting Australia in the cricket these days um, which makes me feel like a real traitor but um, my son's a cricket fan so and plays cricket and so I have to support Australia not that he's at that level um but yes that's me I think I'm married I two of my children are living in London one's still here and I came to writing very late in life I'm 61 now and I've only been writing for uh, about eight years maybe and I sort of fell into it by accident as you do (laughs) (laughs) and have you always known that you wanted to write no I um I can remember when I was at school, we had to one day, one one September, when we went back to school, we had to write a story about our summer holidays. And um, we'd been to Canada because my aunt and uncle and cousins lived there. And we'd gone camping up in this beautiful uh, national park, Algonquin National Park. And we camped on this island. And I actually remember being terrified the whole time because my cousins kept telling me there were snapping turtles in the water and bears in the woods. Um, and I was well, maybe nine or something. And I just remember being absolutely terrified and not wanting to get out of the tent. But when I got back, of course, in hindsight, it was a fantastic holiday. <laughs> and anyway, I wrote about our camping trip for our, the essay we had to write when we got back. And it got into the school magazine. And I thought then, wow, you know, people actually read what I write, that's fantastic. And I can remember just feeling really proud. But in my family, my sister was the sort of academic one and I was the sporty social one, you know, how people get assigned roles in families. And, um, and so I kind of, you know, I bumbled through school. I, I enjoyed it, um, I enjoyed school. But, you know, I never aspired to do anything um, like writing or I, I went on and studied occupational therapy and worked in mental health. And, you know, writing couldn't have been further off the off the field, really, for me. Um, I've always been a reader and I'm, you know, love reading and, and I'll, I read, read in wide you know, widely across the genres, although anything horror or really edge of your seat psychological thrillers, I I actually, (laughs) my blood pressure goes up, Um, I find those difficult, but anything else, I'll read anything else. And um, it was when my elder daughter was uh, 16, I think, she went to Italy on exchange for the summer, and uh, for our summer, so that's December, January um and my other two children were kind of old enough not to want to be bothered with mum all the time so I was just taxi driver taking them to you know different play dates or having kids over here and I had all this time all of a sudden because you know I wasn't working over the summer either and um and I just thought oh I'd like to do a photography course (laughs) and my daughter had taken on the one decent camera we had between us um, to Italy with her so I thought okay what can I do now and then I have a friend here who teaches creative writing and I thought well she's always said that if I ever wanted to write something you know just ask her for some tips so I rang her only to discover that she was in Vietnam for three weeks for holidays um, so I thought oh god how hard could it be <laughs> oh god I wish I'd known um So I I actually pulled out that um, another story that I'd written for school, um, which was set in um, Berry Pomeroy Castle down in Devon, where we used to go for holidays. And interestingly enough, my husband is from like three miles down the road from there. Not that I knew him at that time. But um, so I I, I started rewriting this um, ghost story um, and about eight months later I had a young adult trilogy you know I'd I'd written like 300,000 words or more and um I thought wow I'm hooked I was hooked and it's that's never been published I did show it to an agent who loved the premise of the story but said I needed to work a lot on my writing (laughs) so I went away and worked a lot on my writing and um yeah so that's how it began and I I realized quite quickly that um I didn't really want to stay in the young adult genre. Um, so I started writing for grown-up people. Yeah, and I've actually got 17 manuscripts finished sitting in my computer, um, some of which will never see the light of day. You know, it's, it's like an apprenticeship, isn't it? And, and, and kind of working on the muscles of your writing. You know, I'm, I'm sure there are at least half of those manuscripts that are really not, worth you know even mentioning but um but you know a couple of the others might I might take out and brush down one day who knows yeah that's how it all started
1: awesome so the first book that was published what happened what's the story behind that um
0: well the first book that, well, actually I um the first book that was ever published was back in 2015 by um a small publishing house in Hong Kong and, and I think, you know, when you start writing and you decide you want to try and get published, there's so much to learn. You know, I was so naive. Anyway, it was a writing competition and this publishing house said, send in your manuscript and the winner will get a publication with us. You know, we'll get published with us. And I sent it in and I won. And, um, but, you know, there was very little editing and looking back on it now, it needed good edit. <laughs> um, There was no marketing department in this tiny little um publishing house and so it sat on amazon and you know they got it into some airport bookshops around asia but it was you know it was always only in english so i don't i don't think many people read it um but i was really i was really proud of that book um anyway and then they they actually took another one of mine um the following year um But again, it just sat there. So I've got the rights for those two books back and I'm thinking, hoping one day they'll get another airing. My first, The Train, which was the first with Bloodhound, um, was, I I actually found an agent here. And I I don't know um, if other people have said the same thing, but finding an agent is almost as difficult or perhaps even more difficult sometimes than finding a publisher. Um, They're like hen's teeth, you know? Anyway, I found an agent, and he's been a real champion. Um, and he sent out, uh, I think, I think he sent out the second book that came out. I think he sent out Ella's War first, and didn't find a home for Ella's War at that, or hadn't yet found a home for Ella's War. And then he, and then I sent in the train, and he sent it to Bloodhound. Who I think he maybe just connected with. I'm not sure how that story went, and Betsy got back to him within days and said yes we'd like it and has she written anything else and um i actually ended up getting a three book deal with them which has just turned into a four book deal i've got another one coming out with them next year so um yes Uh, so it's been smooth sailing since since then really it's fantastic they're a great publishing house to work with and very supportive yeah 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 uh,
1: I've, uh, yeah, I know loads of Bloodhound authors. So, yeah, they all say the same.
0: Yeah, yeah. Great, great family of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the authors are all very supportive of each other as well, which is lovely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was really pleased to see that um, Heather Fitt has got a book deal
0: as well. I knew she was writing, so I'm really pleased with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah I, knew yes, she, I knew she would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Good addition to the kennel yeah it's such yeah. a weird term I, I've
1: learned a lot in the last year as well and and that term is one that seems to crop up as uh, <laughs> all. now I realize bloodhound,
0: bloodhound kennel yes <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: so obviously Invisible which is out on Wednesday is the only book of yours I've read so far but I mean just wow <laughs> thank you um, so, without spoilers, would you like to give a brief sort of outline?
0: Yes. Um, I just, just, I'll just take a step back um, before I outline the actual story. I, I, about why I wrote it. I, I, I think ideas come from really strange places, and I was listening to the radio in the car one day, no doubt ferrying somebody around to somewhere, and um, I was listening to this program we we have in Australia called The Philosopher's Zone, and it, they were interviewing this American uh, philosopher called Lisa Gunther about the philosophical effects of solitary confinement, and I'd sort of read and seen a couple of you know you see dead man walking and all that sort of stuff and people on death row or in solitary confinement and how they can go a bit loopy and I read I think when um, I can't remember some uh, there was a man in the states who was released from solitary confinement after 30 years in solitary and and you know there was an article in the newspaper about how he'd tried to adapt to life on the outside having you know been in solitary confinement so long and I was fascinated by this whole concept and um, so I bought her book this Lisa Gunther's book and I just thought it was really really interesting and I just wanted to write a fiction account of what it was like for somebody to be in solitary and so I read sorts of things I could find about it both fiction and non-fiction and googled it and it did a lot of research and the more research I did the more interested I got and then I started trying to think about what kind of character did I want and I wanted somebody who was um, innocent of what they were being uh, accused of Um, I wanted a character that people would be sympathetic to. I didn't want a murderer, (laughs) for example, because I think it's difficult to, not impossible, but I think difficult to make people sympathetic to a murderer. Um, So I I cooked up this this character who was um, detained after the London bombings and uh separated from the people that she'd been with and didn't know why she was there she had no clue why she was in solitary um so the first part of the book is her experience in solitary confinement and it's a difficult read i'm sure th- a lot of <laughs> reviewers have said it's a difficult read um, but i but you know from my uh from my research not an unusual experience unfortunately Um, So there are psychological and physical um, consequences of solitary. And um, so she experiences that. And on her release, she finds it very difficult to reconnect with the world. She has a very supportive mum and grandma, fortunately, but um, finds it difficult to reconnect with the world. She's angry. One of her friends, who was also uh, picked up, has. killed herself as a consequence and her lover who was also detained has been deported because he was from Pakistan. So she decides that she'll try and get people to know what's going on and she gets in trouble for that and then she decides that she's had enough and she's going to go and find um, her lover in back, back in Pakistan and also her father who she's never met who was from Pakistan and it goes on from there. <laughs> I don't want to say too much more, but um, her adventures and her her experiences are not over. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, Lesser. no, not even close. <laughs> no, not even close. But that's it. That's enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You put her through it. <laughs> I I tend to. I think it's. It, I think it's. I find it fascinating to write characters who are facing real adversity or real challenges. I think it's all, is my background in mental health. I, I have walked, I'm, I'm still a counselor. I have my own counseling practice and I just find people fascinating. I, I just, you know, we'll all, we can all be in the same situation and react completely differently, depending on, you know, our backgrounds and our resources. And, you know, there are so many factors that shape our <clears throat> response to a situation and I just I love to drop a character in a terrible situation and see what happens. And often I don't know when I start writing. no idea, no idea what's going to happen. I just carry on and see where it goes. So yeah, definitely a penster, not a plotter.
1: <laughs> yeah) <clears throat> and yeah it's funny i used to ask that question and now people just tell me anyway and it used to be sort of 50 50 but now i find it's going up more pantsers and the plotters are getting fewer <laughs> yes yeah,
0: so, well uh, yeah i i find that if i try and plot something out i veer away from it anyway so I've, I've stopped bothering you know sometimes it's helpful to start with some sense of where you're heading um but i've never been somebody that i mean i read. Really, you know, author interviews or see author interviews and people say, oh yes, I plan out every chapter and I, you know, I write to that plan and I think, oh, I can't, I just can't do it. I I find it, I think I find it slightly boring if I already know what's going to happen next. Um, I need to be entertained as I'm writing and and I think, you know, if that makes me shallow and, and kind of pleasure seeking, then so be it, but I need to be, I need to be surprised. what's happening and and sometimes I have to kind of go no hold on I've got to rein that in a little bit um and other times I think oh yeah no that's that's fine (laughs) I'll I'll follow that character in that direction that's okay so yeah it's it's an interesting process always an interesting process yeah yeah um clearly
1: you would have had to do tons of research for that book what's the most interesting thing you found out
0: um I think I I was in contact with um, an Australian teacher in Pakistan who um, worked just north of Peshawar um, where Layla ends up. And um, so talking to her was fascinating about her experience of being a a woman in a Muslim country in, in that sort of slightly lawless area of the the kind of the frontier between Pakistan and Afghanistan and, um, and just and and her experience of, of working with um, people who came and went, you know, I mean, she was, even the teachers suddenly, sometimes just kind of didn't turn up for a while. And they'd been, you know, off in Pakistan, trying to get family out or, or, you know, they, so. It was really fascinating talking to her and that sort of live research that you can do rather than relying on books or Dr Google um, which you know is fascinating and and I go down rabbit holes when I'm on Google I'll be you know chasing the the minutest details um, which I love at the time but then I think oh wow I spent a whole day finding out that they grow sweet corn in in Pakistan isn't that interesting <laughs> you know or sunflowers or whatever it might be <laughs> oh well yes i'll give those i'll give those crops to her father um he can grow those but um yeah i think talking to karen over in pakistan was really um the highlight of the research and i hadn't known her i had just put out a call to people that i knew saying anyone know anyone that's you know been to northern pakistan recently because um, you know it had to be fairly recent because things change obviously over time um, and she was just so generous with her time and um, and her information and her experience so that was a highlight getting to know her
1: <laughs> yeah it shows as well um and you know all the research shows and the the setting especially the last bit I think you know all the you can tell the attentions detail
0: <laughs> yeah well I also um, I did also have a couple of emails back and forth with a woman who'd been to Afghanistan, um, not the part uh, across the border, but the very northern part. Um, my geography isn't terribly clear, but she'd come in from Tajikistan, so from the north. There's a little kind of thin part of the of Afghanistan that sort of pokes into Tajikistan. And she'd gone in from there and gone trekking, interestingly enough. And this was um, about, eight years ago when, you know, there was all sorts of um, fighting and stuff happening in other parts of Afghanistan, but that, that little tiny area seemed to be um, <clears throat> shielded from it all. But she was great in terms of, um, you know, talking about customs and, um, <clears throat> you know, cultural stuff in Afghanistan. So, you know, really, people are very generous, if you ask questions. I find people very, very willing to talk about their experience, which is great. Yeah, so yes, lots of, lots of research. I I actually love doing the research. I usually do, I'd say for, for Invisible, I probably spent four or five months researching before I let myself write a word. Um, I had to feel that I knew where I was going, what I was writing about, and then and then research as I went along to check stuff and all that, that sort of thing. But yeah, I, I do a lot of research, even though it's fiction. <clears throat> it's <fun>. um, yeah,
1: <laughs> it must have been heartbreaking at times. Though I would have just thought yeah. some of it's just like, wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and heartbreaking that you know this this is a book that's coming out that touches on what was going on in Afghanistan then. And to look at what's going on now, it's just, it is, it's really heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, I can't remember if I cried at the end. I might have done, but yeah, it really is. I mean, the whole thing is just wow, you know, just the stuff that you talk about and stuff, anyway, it is mind blowing, really. But yeah.
0: <clears throat> yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> I, I thought you did from the review that you posted, <laughs> it, was, it blew me away, thank you for that, it's great. So, yeah. as I, th- I think, you know, you write on your own and it's always um, anxiety provoking to put it out there in the world and because c- there are people that will hate it. I mean, for Ella's War, which came out in at the end of June, I think, at the end of June, um, you know, I got a one-star review uh, with the headline sugar-coated nonsense and I, <laughs> I read it and I thought wow I mean I, I, I think that book also is one that packs a punch at times and I just thought that I mean it's interesting isn't it there are always going to be some people that absolutely loathe what you've written or think that your, you know your writing's rubbish or whatever and for whatever reason they want to tell everybody they think it's rubbish (laughs) but um yeah i i I looked at that review and i went oh well um, (laughs) yeah his cup of tea can't do anything about it but yeah it's always nice to get the good reviews that's for sure
1: (laughs) and were you um, ever apprehensive about writing about potentially divisive subjects
0: yes yeah i am and i try to um i I try not to take a stance um i I, i'm not writing politics um although you know i delve into political situations at times um so yeah i am and but i try to give different characters different viewpoints so there's a balanced kind of um message coming across but you know in the train (laughs) one one of the reviews i got so the train is um which was the first book that bloodhound um published uh is is basically happens takes place over the course of a day um and it's eight people's reactions to something that happens in the first thing in the morning and they're kind of they're almost like short stories but they kind of interweave a little bit um so characters might meet each other during the day either knowingly or unknowingly you know they might recognize each other or they might not and all that sort of thing um but one of the reviewers said um i liked the book i would have given it a better review if she hadn't meant if she hadn't been um anti-brexit and i thought well that's that's really interesting because i gave one character an anti-brexit viewpoint And I gave another character a pro-Brexit viewpoint but clearly she focused on the one that she didn't like (laughs) so you know you can't win you can't win as soon as you you sort of you step into either religion or politics um probably sex as well or or sexual (laughs) politics maybe um then you know you you're a shooting target and and I think you know you've just got to to accept that you know I I I don't have an agenda to push in my fiction. I mean I, I'm happy to stand on a soapbox anytime um, with my own views but I really try not to do that in my fiction and um and I'm still getting shot down so you know you can't you can't win and that and, and I think you know once you've put a book out there it's no longer your your um you don't own it anymore you know you you can't Um, predict how people are going to respond to it and you can't control how people are going to respond to it you just got to go "Mm, that's interesting that's (laughs) interesting so yeah it's it's a funny old business really (laughs) yeah it's definitely people are weird (laughs) I find (laughs) yeah 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 fascinating and often very weird yes yeah (laughs) and angry I mean what I'm finding what I'm I think really disappointed about is that some people just seem really angry. You know, you, I, I actually have to say that I did look at the, the, the woman that gave me a, a one-star review for Ella's War. I clicked on her review on her and found out what else she'd reviewed. And she tends to give either five stars or one stars. And I think I actually got off quite lightly because other, other authors, she's told to give up writing now. You know, I just wouldn't bother, darling. That sort of thing. And it's like so angry. You just think, don't like a book, but don't I mean that's fine if you don't like the book, but don't hate the author. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 strange. There are there are some unusual people out there.
1: Yes. Yeah, definitely angry. But right? that's what I think. Because like we were talking about before I work in retail, and people just snap like that. They're just angry like that. And it's like but why? You know, it, it's a sausage roll, or it's it's nothing. Why are you getting so angry? Yeah, like, do you yeah. not see yourself? Yes, you know, yeah. Just, just take a step back and look at yourself and think: Is it worth getting that
0: angry about? Yeah, yeah. And and you just think they're going to give themselves heart attacks if they <laughs> don't calm down. You know, or blood pressure problems. Yeah, it's it's it's. But it's sad, isn't it? I mean, like, yeah, it's very sad. especially if you're on the receiving end of it as you are
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah. I had uh, a traveler go mental because he'd been stuck from stealing and then um I wouldn't do something else for him and then um I had to charge him for his sauce and then I wouldn't give it to him in a different container and he just went absolutely mental okay then Um, yeah but yeah they're like that anyway. I'm used to them, unfortunately, so that goes over
0: my head. But yeah, but I, you know, it's just a sad situation, isn't it? That that people in retail are having to put up with that sort of behaviour from people. As you say, you know, if only they could see themselves. Although I I, I wonder if they would change that behaviour, even if they could. You know, they it's it's this sort of sense of entitlement or righteousness, isn't it? That they've got they've they've got the right to treat other people like shit.
1: Yeah, I mean, this guy was like, you know, why won't you give me, like, if we just wanted to cut? I said, because you haven't said please once. You know, you spoke to me like crap the whole time. You haven't asked for anything nicely. No, you know, yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to, no chance. Like, Why do you think I'm suddenly going to, no? Yeah. So, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I don't yeah. think you like that much either, but there
0: we go. <laughs> but, but good for you for standing your ground. Yeah, yeah.
1: After 20 odd years and <laughs> my uh my tolerance is lower, I think.
0: Yep, for yeah. Well, but you know, being assertive is a good thing, I think. Oh, you have
1: to be sometimes. Yeah. Because yes. otherwise you will just get walked all over and oh no. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Gee, oh dear.
1: yeah fun. I've got eight hours of that again tomorrow, but anyway. <laughs>
0: yeah i I'll exhausted to the counseling the writing and the yoga teaching to be honest <laughs> yeah
1: yeah definitely yeah don't work in retail,
0: ever <laughs> i i did my first actually not my first job but one of my um, jobs when i was at school still was i worked in an art shop um at weekends and summer holidays um and even then you know that was 5 500 years ago or it seems like it Um, You know, there were people who came in and they were lovely and there were people that came in, not so many as these days, I'm sure, but there were people that, you know, treated you like rubbish just because you were behind the counter and, you know, they could order you about. And I didn't didn't think at the time, I didn't wonder, well, I did wonder at the time why they were so nasty, but it didn't occur to me till later, much later, that, um, you know, they probably had boring little lives. And, or, you know, maybe they felt powerless in their own lives and they had to lord it over other people. And I just thought, oh, that's sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, not, it's not pleasant to be in the firing line like that.
1: <clears throat> no. It's not, it won't be forever, hopefully.
0: No, it either won't. A, You'll get that- I'll leave Or I'll get <laughs> I'll get fired not on either one. <laughs> <laughs> Hope not. I, it's nice to leave at the time of your own choosing,
1: Yeah, I've been fired twice and nearly fired twice, so it seems more likely. (laughs) All right,
0: right. at least you're used to the experience. (laughs) You'll be doing something different soon. Yeah, I hope so.
1: (laughs) Anyway, books, we should talk about books.
0: Books, yeah. I knew that we were here for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, you know, it's a wide-ranging discussion, that's good. <laughs> yeah
1: um so out of the three books that you've had published with bloodhound um do you have a favorite
0: character you've written oh gosh that's hard um it's funny isn't it i love them all as i'm writing them <clears throat> i am um, i really in the train i think i really enjoyed iris who's an older woman um and so, so you know, writing a book like *The Train*, where I have eight points of view, basically eight characters, each with their own story for that uh, day, trying to give them, make them all very different and sound very different, and have their own story. Um, but getting into the kind of mind and um, speech of an older character was interesting, and I and I did I did have a big soft spot for Iris. Um, <clears throat> In Ella's War, I like Ella. She can be really infuriating at times, um, but I really like her friend Sheila, who comes to stay with her after her, you know, it, it's not a spoiler to say she, the book starts with her having had an accident and she's in hospital it, just post-war, post-World War II, and, um, and wakes up with no memory and so has a friend um, to come and kind of, as they did in those days, because recovery was, you know, given a lot of time, and, and there weren't uh, so many medications you could take. So, you know, her reco- she was in hospital for weeks, you know, whereas we'd be in and out within, you know, a couple of days for most things these days. And then, you know, recuperating, you know, as they would call it, um, convalescing for months, you know. So this friend comes to help physically and to help her kind of try and regain her memory. Um, and I really liked Sheila. I thought she was a, a you know a compassionate and fun and bouncy sort of character. so I enjoyed writing her. Um, in Ella's war <laughs> sorry in uh, invisible, I like Layla. again, she can be irritating. she can be naive beyond her years. Um, but I think she's courageous. Um, but I actually <laughs> I think Salim and Khalid, who she meets in in Pakistan, I, I just I loved. So I, I've done a lot of travelling in Asia and um, spent several months in India. And he, he, Khaled is based on um, a guy that was, you know, that ran a hotel that I stayed at in Delhi. Just you know, so enthusiastic and so energetic and. And and you know just slightly misses the point a lot of the time and <laughs> and and but but you know absolute heart of gold would do anything for anybody um, so yes I I did love um, him although he's only a fairly minor character um, yeah so I I think I I like writing them all but I definitely have a soft spot for some yeah so Iris in the train I think. And um, Sheila in Ella's War and Salim and Khalid would, would be up there in, in Invisible. Yeah. yeah. I think
1: Salim just edges it for me. I loved him. Loved yes. everything that he was in. He was just so sweet.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, such a genuinely nice person. Well, hopefully. Hopefully, we think that he's a nice person. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely, yeah. It's up to people to find out, but yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. It's um, in, but it
0: is fun creating them all. I think,
1: yeah, yeah. They're quite um, varied. It sounds, uh, yeah, <laughs> hard to be honest. <laughs> no it's fun. Of um, all the books you've written so far, what's been the most fun scene you've written, and what's been the most difficult? <sighs>
0: Oh, um, the most fun! Um, gosh, that's a really hard one. Um, I think. I think actually, I had I did have a lot of fun writing Khalid. Um, you know the scenes with him at the hotel. Um, I just it, they were fun they were light and and in a book that can be difficult to read at times I think he was a really important character even though he wasn't in there a lot um, so you know when I knew there was a difficult scene coming up I'd reread what I'd <laughs> reread those scenes or extend them a little bit or you know tweak them I'd spent I spent quite a lot of time on those scenes um, so I think he was really fun he was really fun to write. Um, Actually, in the train, I, I had quite a lot of fun with the what, who I think of as the nastiest character, um, Lawrence. I, I had quite a fun being quite fun being nasty, uh, being a kind of entitled middle-aged white male for a change. Um, difficult. Well, a lot of <laughs> because I take these um, situations and dump characters in them, I often find them challenging to write and. Difficult, um, you know. Some of the solitary confinement stuff with Layla was really confronting. Um, yeah, and and I also um, in the first book that was ever published um, was uh, sort of set against a backdrop of uh, the Idi Amin era in Uganda. I, I do like to have wide geographical <laughs> settings for my books. Um, and so, you know, some of the violence that I knew, you know, I, I didn't want to be overly graphic, but I, but leaving it out would also have been um, un, untrue to the situation. So that was really, I, I don't like violence. I don't like horror. I don't like gratuitous blood and guts and gore. Um, so t- finding that line that, um, Presented the situation as it <clears throat> as it was, but um, didn't make me feel sick. Writing it, it was it was hard, and I and I actually think I got it quite wrong. When I read, you know, I, I read back um, a couple of scenes in that book not long ago just to see how I had managed it, and I I think I I didn't get the balance right, and I went too far the other way, and I I. I would tone it right, I would pull it right back if I were writing it again now. And I think, you know, less is more, as they say. It's, it's, like, it's like writing sex scenes, you know, you don't need to know where every little bit went and, you know, every, <laughs> every kiss and every nibble. You just have to leave a lot to the reader's imagination. And I think that is, in the end, a more satisfying reading experience as well. Yeah. So, you, you know, you don't have to feed, you don't have to spoon feed your reader. Yeah, you've got you've got to open the door and let their imagination move in. So yeah, um, is there anything you wouldn't write about? Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I'm sure there are things that I wouldn't write about. I there are there are things that aren't my story to write about. Um, you know, that's something that I think about a lot. Um, is this my story, is, am I the person to write this? Um, so for example, I don't know if it's, um, it probably has hit the English bookstores, but um, I think it was Trent Dalton, um, a, an Australian writer who had a great great success with his first book, um, Boy Swallows Universe. He then wrote, oh, was it Trent Dalton or Craig Sylvie? Anyway, one of these two male Australian writers, Uh, wrote a book about a trans teenager and he writes very well he's a you know in terms of you know his books are very readable and interesting but I just thought no that's not his story you know there are trans people out there that should be writing this sort of story um I don't think that's something that you can ever really write from the outside however much research you do it's not your story to tell um So, and because you know, I think you can have characters that aren't the central character of a book that are way outside of your experience. But I think if if that's your central character, you're treading on fine a fine line there. Um, So yes, that sort of thing. And I and I, I think there are possibly subjects that I've sort of thought about and then gone there. You know, that would be too hard. I can't actually think about what they are off the top of my head now, but I know I've, I have kind of steered away from that sort of thing. From some things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And do you have any fears or phobias and would you write about those?
0: Um, fears or phobias? I don't have any phobias personally, thank goodness. Um, I certainly have. I mean, I think I wouldn't be a human if I didn't have fears. Um, I I think and I think I subconsciously write them anyway. You know, I think I think part of writing is um, about for me anyway, and I'm sure it's not the same for everybody, but um, is confronting things that I find fearful. I mean, for me, who actually, you know, even though I write and a lot of writers I know are quite introverted, I'm quite an extrovert. Um, So the idea for me of being in solitary confinement and not actually having any contact with anybody for weeks on end is horrifying, absolutely horrifying. Um, And the idea of going mad, um, of, of, you know, not being in control of my senses, Um, having worked in mental health and seeing the devastation that that can cause, not only for the person, but for their family and friends. I think, you know, I have a great fear of that, of, of, you know, not... Not being able to look after myself or my immediate family is, is a great um, fear. So I think, and also, you know, <laughs> judgment, fear of being judged. And I think, you know, every time you put a book out there, whatever the subject, whatever the theme, you're putting yourself out there to get judged. So I think for me, it, it, writing triggers a lot, but I can't stop doing it. You know, having started it quite by accident, as I said earlier. It's just become something that is part of who I am now. And I think if we, if we don't face our fears, then we don't grow. And I think life is about growing and changing and, you know, acknowledging what's difficult. And, and you know, sometimes you can fight a battle and sometimes you can't. And that's also fine. But I think, you know, we, we need to know. <laughs> we need to know ourselves and what we're choosing and why. Yeah. hmm. Um, Have you made lots of author friends since you started writing? Do you know, I have, and (laughs) some of them in person as well, which is nice. Um, So um, another Bloodhound author is also from Australia and in fact um, from Sydney. So we've actually met a few times face to face um, and she's lovely. So that's Lisa Darcy. Um, I don't know if you've read her stuff. She writes romantic uh, comedies. Um, she's had a couple of books now out with Bloodhound Um, so we write very different genres but um, you know we we get on very well which is lovely Um, and um, although I haven't met any of the other Bloodhound authors face to face we have a fantastic Bloodhound group Facebook group and very supportive and very chatty Um, so yeah people like Trish and Kerry and Nathan <laughs> and yeah, I mean a whole host who are, you know, have been incredibly helpful in terms of the process um, and supportive and uh, knowledgeable and um, fun lots of fun so you know that's it's, it's lovely and it, and it kind of I think it really to, to feel connected when you're writing on your own because you can't write in a group really um, it's nice to know there are other people out there doing the same thing, probably at the same time, um, possibly having the same issues, you know, oh, I don't like this character, what am I going to do with them? Or, oh gosh, I really don't want to write that scene, but I have to. Um, yeah, it's, it's comforting. It's very comforting and, and lovely, yeah. yeah. And do you get a lot of feedback from readers? Um, <clears throat> I do. Um, so, you know, quite, I'm fortunate to have, A lot of friends who are out here and back in England who read my books and, um, you know, tell me what they think in no (laughs) uncertain terms. And I've been invited along to a few book clubs, often through a friend um, and spoken about them and... um, you know got feedback from from those people who are slightly removed and maybe a little bit more honest because they're a little bit removed i don't get a lot of feedback um online apart from um, you know people who actually write a review and and they're always fascinating to read because i think you know as i said before once you've put a book out into the world, it's not your own property anymore. It's it's public property and people are going to respond to it as they do. And sometimes people, you know, have picked up something that I I think, oh, didn't I didn't realize I was saying that, or, you know, oh, that's an interesting take on what I thought I was writing or whatever. <laughs> so I just I find it really interesting, really interesting. Sometimes confronting, but always interesting. And and I think I'm developing a thick enough skin now that I know um that you know if people if people don't like my book it doesn't mean they don't like me (laughs) so um yeah I can separate out the the product from the person now so which was harder at first yeah but yeah
1: yeah I can imagine
0: (laughs) yeah I mean it's it's like a baby you've been cooking it for so long and you know and then you birth it and it goes out into the world and and it's anybody. Business, (laughs) Business, <laughs> so yeah, that can be that can be hard, but but so far it's been good in the main. In the main, it's been good. Mm.
1: And has there been one standout moment? What's been your favorite moment so
0: far? Oh, gosh, um, I think. Hmm. It wasn't a Bloodhound published book. It was my second published book. It was called Two Lives. And it followed the lives of two women um, in sort of parallel. And one of them um, had extricated herself from a um, a relationship in which she was abused. And um, I, I, I mentioned before, I also teach yoga. And one of my yoga students came up to me and she said, I read your book. And i thought it was really powerful and i gave it to a friend of mine she wants to talk to you is that okay and i thought oh gosh um and anyway so i i said yeah tell her to ring me gave my number and this this woman rang me and she said that she had left a domestic violence relationship because of my book she'd read it she'd recognized watch you know what was happening in her relationship which she'd never been able to really acknowledge before and she said you know it was almost like you were in my head and so I've left I've managed to leave and she said I've got lots of support around me now but it was your book that made me see what was going on and I just thought well it it, you know it doesn't matter how long it takes you to write a book and it doesn't matter how many other people hate it if they do hopefully they don't but you know if they do um you know for that to have happened that so that was a real standout moment a real standout moment and and you know it's lovely when people love your books but when they've actually helped you change your life it's 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 another thing altogether
1: yeah that gave me goosebumps
0: (laughs) yeah it gave me goosebumps at the time as well yeah well Yeah. yeah so
1: Amazing. And um what's your biggest dream? What do you want to achieve most?
0: Oh gosh. Um well completely unbookish. My biggest dream at the moment is to see my daughters again. (laughs) (laughs) Having not seen them for two years because of COVID. Um but biggest dream, yeah, look, I just want to be in the situation where I can still do the things I love doing. You know, I I cannot imagine a time when I'm not writing um I cannot imagine a time when I'm not being a counsellor or teaching yoga I'm so lucky that I've I've been able to steer the course that I have in my life and I recognize that comes from you know having a lot of people around me who are very supportive of what I do um and uh yeah so I just want to keep doing what I'm doing really and and love it and keep loving it I think you know when you stop loving doing something it's time to stop doing it so I just want to keep loving what I'm doing and do more of it really good <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah. if you were able to
1: spend a day with any author dead or alive who would you like to spend a day with <laughs> um
0: Part of me says Shakespeare, because I would ask him whether, you know, I mean, that old debate, did he really write all those plays? I would love to ask him if he wrote all those plays, but I wouldn't want to be back in the 16th century for sure. So I wouldn't want to go back there to talk to ask him. Um, I think a contemporary author that I would love to spend some time with, I mean, it's difficult to, to uh, pick one, but... Um, Anne Enright, probably, the, the Irish writer. Um, I've, I've been to a couple of talks that she's done at various literary festivals over here, and she and, and I've listened to some podcasts that she's been on, and I love her writing, and I quite love her voice. I, I just love her accent and you know, her Irishness. Um, so, yes, I, I think possibly I'd, I'd like to hang out for a day with Anne Enright. Yeah
1: the irish accent as well i'm the sucker for accents but irish
0: yeah
1: me too, me too. yeah and then um, who would you most fangirl over meeting?
0: fangirl over meeting well i, I think gosh that will be hard i i think possibly um possibly someone like Anne Enright, actually. Um, you know, I, I might go a bit Twittery. You know, I might go a bit, oh, you're such a famous author. <laughs> um, yeah, I, oh, yeah. I, I think if I met anybody who, who had, you know, been doing what they've been doing and honed their craft so well for so long, um, I would just be in awe. I, I might well be, you know, be speechless, which is unusual for me, as you can probably tell. I can talk (laughs) behind hind legs off a donkey, but, um, yeah, I might be a bit kind of awestruck in front of somebody like Anne Enright or, um, you know, other authors that I love, um, Khalid Hosseini and um, John Boyne, another Irish writer, and um, Kamala Shamsi. Yeah, yeah, there are so many people that I hold up there. Kate Atkinson. (laughs) Yeah, I I think I might be a bit... yeah
1: I went to um, Harrogate and lost my lost all of my confidence and was just like oh my god and couldn't speak to anyone
0: (laughs) yeah I I would I'm sure I would do the same I actually yeah I, I, I think I put on posted on Facebook recently um somebody had asked um about you know have you ever um, spoken to any of your favorite authors or any authors and I had bumped into um, a local author who actually is very well known in Australia she won the Stella Prize which is an Australian women's fiction prize about three years ago for a very powerful book that she wrote and um, and I recognized her from the back of the photo and I saw her in our local supermarket and I dithered and I thought do I don't I and in the end I said sorry to interrupt you Charlotte it's Charlotte Woods um, sorry to interrupt me Charlotte I just wanted you to know that I just um, your, I read your book I thought it was absolutely amazing it's still with me and she was so thrilled <laughs> was so, I mean, we had a lovely conversation about books and her books and yeah so so I wasn't fangirly then but it was I think it was because it was so spontaneous you know I, I yeah but I think if I knew I was going to meet people I'd get all tongue-tied yeah so I'm not I'm not surprised I would be the same as you at Harrogate I think
1: yeah it was funny though because um I saw Chris Whittaker and he was with Simon Koenig who I love and you know I saw his face and I knew I recognized him I couldn't think why until I asked someone but I went over to Chris because I wanted to interview him and I loved his book his book is just out of this world and I was telling Chris off because I'd messaged him about interviewing him and he'd said yes And then he'd never responded. So I was telling him off. And then Simon Koenig was laughing. I was like, you can shut up because I've messaged you as well. And I don't know where that came from. And he was like, he's massive. He's like six foot something tall. (laughs) Yeah, so the pictures I've got with him is like pulling silly faces as well. So I was telling him off. I don't know where that came from because I've been really shy all weekend. And I was like, yeah, you can shut up. (laughs) Love it. I love it. I expect he did as well. <laughs> i still not heard from him, the bastards i will have to ah. chase him up yeah, will dean and chris Whitaker and simon kernick for the three so i've interviewed will dean i've got chris so still waiting on simon good
0: on
1: you <laughs> good on you i'll give him a really hard time yes, making do. yeah
0: oh absolutely i <laughs> did i
1: do say they are yeah
0: yeah who would you go fangirly over? Is it if somebody like him you'd be all fangirly over? Um, yeah, pretty
1: much anyone. <laughs> um we'll deem because he was just really nice. Just really nice. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> but it would be like Stephen King probably and yeah. Kathy Reichs, Tess Garrison. It
0: oh, was big, big names. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, because I've spoke, I've interviewed Mark Billingham, who was just so lovely and he's hilarious. And you know, he's quite a big name, but he's so yeah. normal. Yes. So yes.
0: Normal. Yeah. And yeah. I think probably they all are really. I mean we project a lot onto them, don't we? Because they're, you know, they're brilliant at what they do and 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 we kind of create a whole persona for them that probably is so far off <laughs> the truth. That um yeah, finding out that they are real people and you know helpful and nice and friendly is you know, it's lovely
1: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and i'm uh, going to bloody scotland next weekend and stephen king is being spoken to although obviously he's coming from america so it's online but yeah i'm looking forward to that but uh, yeah. it would be interesting to see what he's really like and yes. he rights yeah. actually as well so well oh, that could be fascinating yeah yeah, long way to go, but I don't care. Totally worth it. Worth every
0: penny, every hassle. Yeah, <laughs> Train strikes, I can't, get can't get home. Yeah, yeah. No, that's so. That was your experience coming home from Sunderland last week, I think, wasn't it? Delays and yeah, yeah, yeah This is the the Scottish
1: Scotrail um, drivers are uh, striking every Sunday, and oh, that's God. when that's when the festival ends. <laughs> but, okay, <laughs> um, miles yeah. away from home yeah just have to have the excuse to stay another day exactly what i'm doing yeah. so i've got a day to myself in scotland oh nice and is it in edinburgh or glasgow or somewhere it's else in scotland? Stirling. oh right okay which i think when i've looked at the map is kind of up and in the middle of two so yeah i might be able to see it all i don't know we'll see <laughs>
0: who knows who knows but i'm i'm sure it'll be fabulous and i'm very much looking forward to your facebook posts about it <laughs> yeah don't
1: doubt it <laughs> yeah. yeah hopefully i'll get more pictures and i'll be less shy and uh speak to more authors
0: yeah yes no just just get your inner in a feisty donna going and
1: I know I don't know what came over me and I have always told people I'm shy really I honestly am shy and they're like no I don't believe you I swear and then yeah Harrogate. I was like yeah yeah Yeah. well
0: well, I'm sure it'll be fabulous even if you're a little bit shy I'm sure you'll get yourself out there well
1: I think now I've done Harrogate and hopefully in theory sort of I know a little bit more what to
0: expect so it shouldn't be so bad right (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait anyway. Yeah, I'm quite envious. Quite,
0: quite envious of that I am. I'd love to be there.
1: Do you have um, festivals and stuff in Australia?
0: We do, we do. We have a very big Sydney Festival um, in May, which goes on, Sydney Literary Festival, which goes on for about two weeks. Um, obviously for the last couple of years it's been online. Um, I think this year it, they squeezed in a few face-to-face um, smaller audience um, events before we went into lockdown um, <clears throat> and i and I do usually go to a few events um, but uh, not not actually for the last couple of years um, but and every major city I think in Australia has a uh, Writers' Festival <clears throat> at some time during the year, they tend to kind of have them in different different months. Um, and then some of the smaller towns also have a smaller um, smaller event. There are quite a few, I mean, yeah, there's, there's one coming up that um, Lisa Darcy, who I mentioned earlier, is going to be um, speaking at, which I will go to if we're allowed to travel. Um, <clears throat> so that's down the South Coast, the South Coast Writers' Festival um yeah so they're all over you know big and small attract huge names or you know local authors but they're always you know people have also got always got interesting things to say i think it's and it's nice to support the smaller ones Mm. yeah i'd like to Um, be on a panel or talk or interviewed at one of those one day (laughs) yeah well why not (laughs) why not why not aim high um,
1: there's a lady that I, I've spoken to called Sharon Bairdon and um, her, she's she's Scottish and she released her first book a while ago, maybe a year ago. And when I interviewed her, I asked what her dream was. And she said to be on a panel at Bloody Scotland. And this year she's on a panel at Bloody Scotland. So Brilliant. Brilliant. why not?
0: Yeah. yeah, why not? Why not? Well, there's a connection. You can talk to her because you've already spoken to her. That's yeah. that's the place to start. Start with her and then you'll just get your confidence up
1: yeah oh yeah I I, we've already yeah (laughs) she knows that I'm coming up and stuff and I'm like yeah I can't wait to meet you and a a blogger as well um she we're gonna have a drink so fantastic
0: oh gosh I I wish I could come (laughs) maybe next year
1: (laughs) yeah next year yeah you can um you can watch online I know it's not the same but it's all Uh, it's like a hybrid festival um because they weren't sure I guess what was going to happen yeah. so uh the online tickets are like 35 pound
0: right. okay. yeah. so yeah i'm sure it. You could watch it. i might i might stalk you on online i might go oh yes there's donna in the audience oh yes I can see <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah uh i have own stalker that'd be amazing <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i get accused true. of being a stalker
0: quite frequently so <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> no i think it's great i think it's great and i do wish i could be there one day one day yeah just yeah see your daughters and then pop along to a festival and yeah,
1: just awesome.
0: yeah it'd be lovely nice thing to do
1: yes yeah. Yeah. um if you're able to travel to any period in time forward or backwards where would you go
0: oh i don't think i would i think i'd stay where i am actually um I, I, I don't want to know what's going to happen in the future. Um, I think, you know, with climate change and, and all sorts of other things going on in the world, I don't really want to see, I don't want to see that. I do what I can to stop it happening. Um, but I don't want to, I wouldn't want to go forward. Um, backward. You know, I used to. I used to think I wanted to live in Elizabethan the Elizabethan era because I love the costumes. But then I think you know, women were sewn into their dresses in those days, and they didn't have baths, and they didn't have proper toilets. <laughs> so I, I really, I don't. So certainly, I wouldn't want to go that far back. I, I think, if any, maybe, maybe immediately post World War Two, um, the period that Ella's War was set in, when. I think you know, having lived through the horrors of two world wars, quite close together, um, and and having spoken to my parents and and you know people who lived then or you know who were who can remember then, a period of such uh, excitement and forward looking. And yes, there was a lot of rebuilding to do and a lot of re- sort of psychological and physical repairs to be done, both for people and for you know. The environment, but a sense of um excitement about the future and where the future could go, I think that would be an interesting period to drop into. I wouldn't want to spend a lot of time there, (laughs) but yeah, I think that would be an interesting. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd go further back than that. I I want flushing toilets (laughs) and running water, preferably, (laughs) yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you
1: were to be a fictional villain for a day, who would you choose to be?
0: Ooh gosh, a fictional villain. I think I'd um I immediately was thinking of the Joker. Um I don't know, yeah, I just I'd like to be somebody who was <laughs> having said that I'm terrified of going mad. I I think if it it was only for a day and I I could be as evil as I wanted and and as mad as I wanted, um, it would be interesting to get in the mindset of somebody like the Joker. Um, I think it would be very distressing and disturbing, (laughs) but I think it would be fascinating. So, yeah, I think I'd probably say the Joker. Yeah. (laughs) That was a (laughs) good question. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Ooh. I'd like to keep you on your toes <laughs> yes wow. yeah. okay another random question then who was your
0: first celebrity crush well I have to admit it was David Cassidy way back in the day I went off him pretty quickly though um, <laughs> and um, I went on to the Osmonds <laughs> which is gosh this is terrible um so yes back in the day but it wasn't Donnie osmond it was merrill osmond mm, interesting. yeah <laughs> you probably don't even haven't let me see them <laughs> but, um yeah and but then you know then my tastes became um more mature and i actually had a bit of a crush on bob dylan mm-hmm. um, i went to a, i went to a bob dylan concert um in london in 1977 and I just I just thought that was the pinnacle of my existence was seeing him live. At that time, yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah. But <clears throat> it's a bit embarrassing now to admit to the Osmonds and David Cassidy. <laughs>
1: oh, I promise you that everyone is in <laughs> one or other camp all the time. I yeah, so you're not alone. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, (laughs) hey-ho. So are you working on anything at the moment and do you know what you're
0: going to do next? Um, So I am, I'm working on a couple of things. I'm actually straying into uh, crime fiction, so I'm working on uh, the first of what I hope will be a series of crime fiction starring D.I. Luna Bright. and so I'm enjoying that. I, I read a lot of crime fiction. It's my kind of go-to relaxation, really. Not not necessarily the really gritty, bloody, gory stuff, but um, you know, a lot. Of, but I do read a lot of crime fiction. Um, I'd like to think that might see the light of day. I'd like to <laughs> I'd like to see if I can get a contract for that. Um, I'm also writing. Uh, I'm, I'm editing. Well, I will be editing the next book. Or Bloodhound, which will be out in March. Um, I'm, you know, it's, it's marketing time for Invisible, really. So I'm, you know, I'm having to do that, press those hands, as it were. Um, but yeah, oh, there's always something on the go. I'm either editing or writing something new or working something up or researching something. I, I'm researching poisonous plants at the moment. <laughs> of course. <laughs> as you do. Um, for an idea that I've got about a woman, uh, a woman seeking revenge uh, for uh, things that happened in the second. I, I, I'm going back to the Second World War for that one, so it's just again just post-war, a woman seeking revenge for the murders of her uh, family. So yeah, you know, there's always something on the boil. <laughs>
1: Well you may be relieved to know I don't have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you that you want to tell us about.
0: I can't think of anything I've really enjoyed talking to you though it's just so nice to actually do this you know face-to-face even though it's on Zoom we've, we've sort of chatted backwards and forwards on Facebook and I always love watching your author interviews and and so yes it's just been a pleasure to actually meet you like this and chat and one yes. day we'll meet in the flesh I hope. We will. And I won't be shy to come and approach you. <laughs> no, don't be, don't be no. No, I would, I'd come give you the biggest hug. Well, that would be lovely. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that would yeah. be great. Thank you so much,
1: Donna. It's been You're a, real, so welcome. a real joy. So before we go, would you like to just remind everyone about your new book and where they can get your other books and where they can find out more about
0: you? Oh well. Um I don't I, I do have a website, but I never. I never, I never used it, So that's a bit unfortunate. I'm on Facebook, and I'm happy to make. I'm happy to have friends on Facebook. Um, my new book is coming out on Wednesday. It's called Invisible. Um, it's the story of Layla and her solitary confinement and the consequences of that. Um, and um, I loved writing it, and I hope people will love reading it. It's available Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's on Kobo now um so yes and and you can order it through any bookshop as well so um you know it may not be in the shops but it's in their catalogs so you can get it anywhere really and if you do read it and you love it please post a review (laughs) it means a lot to authors to get reviewed it's 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 you know word of mouth is really important but you know people do read reviews and go oh yeah maybe i'll try that then yeah so
1: My review will be going up on Wednesday uh, at six o'clock, I think I've scheduled it for. Amazon already, which is great. Thank you. Yes. But yes, I will be shouting about it a lot because I loved it. So thank
0: you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's, It's so nice to have people like you supporting it. It's great. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you very much. All right. Take care. Thank you.